You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out. Move mountains, we gon' walk it out and move. I think it was just all week just kind of blocking out the noise and and I just the guys that they just rallied around me and a lot of the guys came up and made some huge plays for me and, and that's what it's about it's a team game and, and those guys really stepped up and they they made some plays for me it feels awesome you know I mean it's 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 hard to win in this league I mean that's just at the same time you take a step back and you look at us from a fan perspective and you're like this is awesome you know and it, and it feels great when you win and like I said it's, it's tough to do it but we found a way to make it happen. Our offense line just played played the tails off, and just super pumped. Was was the, the confidence able to build? I mean, you you, you always believe in yourself, but yeah. you know if, if you're getting hit, if it's not working, obviously, I mean, it's human nature. As the game went on and the offense started to move the ball and be able to score, did you feel that confidence building for yourself in the pocket? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You start getting into a little rhythm out there, and we we know we can do that, and. We'll, and and it's good to go out there and show it. And you're not going to get anywhere by sulking or, or holding your head down. And as a quarterback, the team needs you out there to be the leader. And so I'm just going to go out there and keep slinging it and play confident. And that's really all I can do because I'm, I'm confident in myself. I know I can do it. And, and I think the team feeds off of that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it's just the leaders that we have out there. And, I mean, Sean Ryan, I mean, you can ask him. He gave me a speech last night before the game that was just incredible. And... I'll let him tell you, but it was uh, really, it's just all about mental toughness out there and really just blocking it out. And I think the team kind of rallies around that. And I'm just super proud to be be a part of this squad because we have some leaders out there and, and some guys that, I mean, this team never points the finger. We're always, we're always in it together. And and I think that's why we, we came out victorious. It is what it is, and we have to find a way to do it. And I think we, we finally are hopefully going to get on a little rhythm here and, and let this thing snowball a little bit but it was good to show everyone that we can do that it's huge i mean it, it's absolutely huge they're they're really playing their tail ball. he's incredible i mean that's really he's the best receiver in the league so really just kind of kept everything in perspective for me and just say go out there and have fun and and yeah so you guys missed out good speech <laughs> Steps on the football field every time. I can't help myself. Oh, try to get a hold of myself here. Oh, welcome to a very emotional edition of Bayou Ball Movements. So on Andre Johnson Day, the Texans won for the first time since October 15th when rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson who 
is now out for the season with a torn. Oh, is the song over? <laughs> okay, well, maybe that'll help uh, get things under control. Texans won for the first time since Deshaun Watson led them to a victory over the winless Cleveland Browns on October 15th. Deshaun Watson, of course, out for the season with a torn ACL. They scored 30 points for the first time since Watson's last game, a 41-38 loss at Seattle on October 29th. For the Texans and their exasperated fans, the most encouraging part of Sunday's victory was the inspiring, chinless quarterback Tom Savage and his improvement on the field. He overcame a strip sack and an interception that set up two short touchdown drives. And that sucker... That son of a gun, he threw two touchdown passes on Sunday. The first time he's ever done that in his career. Some other headlines from this game on Sunday. The Texans ran for 134 yards, their most since the Seattle game. Rookie Deontay Foreman ran 10 times for 65 yards, including two touchdowns in the fourth quarter on his 34-yard touchdown run. Foreman, unfortunately, and I guess poetically justifiably, if that's even a phrase, Foreman suffered a ruptured Achilles tendon that will require season-ending surgery. And for it to happen on a touchdown run that effectively put the game away for the Texans... It just encapsulates how 2017 has gone for this team. Texans Pro Bowl wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins got the best of Arizona Cardinals Pro Bowl cornerback Patrick Peterson. In a key matchup, Hopkins caught four passes for 76 yards and one touchdown. With Will Fuller sidelined with crack ribs, Texans wide receiver Bruce Ellington expanded his contribution. Ellington set a career-high six receptions for 63 yards on seven targets. And Jadavion Clowney. Once again, Clowney set the tone for a resilient Texans front. He sacked Gabbert twice and tacked on three more tackles for loss. Clowney established a career-high with eight sacks. He now has 15 tackles for loss. One fewer than he recorded all of last season. His 41 career TFLs passes linebacker Brian Cushing for the fourth most in franchise history. He has registered sacks in four consecutive games, another career milestone. Despite being a marked man in the wake of season-ending injuries to J.J. Watt, And Whitney Merciless, Clowney has maintained a high standard throughout the season. And despite all the attention, no one can stop Clowney. Now, let's unravel how it all happened from the jump. Get it on!
Texans drew first blood in the second quarter. And I really would have liked to have seen the Texans strike in the first 15 minutes, something they have yet to do since Deshaun Watson went down. Alas, they were able to jump out to an early lead. It came on a throw, the likes of which we've come to expect to be unleashed from the free-flinging arm of Tom Savage. But this time, it came with a most unexpected and refreshing result. A pass out of bounds for a completion? Yes, the impossible has happened. Tom Savage delivered an accurate ball to a tight-roping Lamar Miller in the corner of the end zone for the game's first touchdown. Dion Buchanan, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his first name right, Dion or Dion, it seems to be French. Uh, well, he was covering Lamar Miller for the Cardinals and really could not have played Miller any better. I mean, Miller made it pretty easy on him, not running a complicated route, just sort of ran straight up the field for 10 yards and stopped and sort of hung out there. Uh, perhaps he didn't expect to, to be thrown the ball. Um, Buchanan pinned Miller up against that sideline and put himself between Miller and Savage. And Savage, boy howdy, he put it in the exact spot it needed to be. And Lamar Miller came through with a sensational catch getting both feet down before falling out of bounds. And, you know, it seems since Lamar Miller has gotten here, he hasn't really torched defenses uh, like he did as a member of the Miami Dolphins against the Texans a handful of years ago. But uh, his biggest impact, at least it seems to me, has come as a pass catcher rather than a rusher. And that's going back to the comeback win against the Colts last year. A short pass from Brock Osweiler, far short of the line to gain the goal line, needing a, a touchdown to either tie or take a lead. And Lamar Miller, whoop, 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 making a few moves, a few zigs, and a few zags to get in the end zone. I was at that game as well, and uh, that was probably the best game to be at. I remember saying, wow, what a win. What a huge win for, for this team and, and for this city. Uh, that did not last long. Thank you, Brock Osweiler. Uh, you know what? The best thing from Savage from this game, uh, the guy looked somewhat mobile at times, particularly on that touchdown throw to Miller and on another to Steven Anderson in the fourth quarter. We'll get to that one a little bit later. Uh, perhaps some credit is due to someone on that coaching staff that uh, perhaps told Savage, you know, uh, you are allowed to move around and even avoid uh, hits if you wanted to. And maybe that coach was first-year quarterback coach Sean Ryan, the one Tom Savage mentioned in his uplifting and inspiring uh, speech to open uh, today's program. Uh, yeah, way to go. Or maybe, just maybe, Savage is just showing some determination to get better. And you know what? It looks like the old gunslinger has some grit after all. Despite seeing his newfound mobility on occasion, Tommy is still vulnerable against the Blitz. Savage victimized the Cardinals when he was not being blitzed, completing 13 of 17 passes for 143 yards and two touchdowns. But while he was under fire, he struggled, going 9 of 15 for 87 yards with an interception and that infamous strip sack. Savage's DiMaggio-like streak of being strip sacked remains intact, as he has now fumbled in all four of his starts this season. 
He has coughed it up a total of six times in that span. The Strip Sack by Buddha Baker was the crown jewel on what was a monster day by the rookie safety out of UW. It was his first of two forced fumbles and just one of his 11 tackles on the day. Savage never saw the blitz coming and seems to have less of a handle than someone with two hooks for hands. Perhaps he should glove up like the aging and arthritic Kurt Warner and Brett Favre did in their decline. If only Tom Savage were good enough to experience a decline. That turnover put the Cardinals in prime real estate, and you don't have to work too hard when you have Larry Fitzgerald to throw to in the red zone. Blaine Gabbert, AFC South alum, he looked sharp on his new team on a handful of throws and was able to deliver a 20-yard dart to the legend to put the Cardinals on the board and tie the game at seven. Kevin Johnson, who had coverage on the play, was simply outsized and overmatched. He would leave the game later for fear of having suffered a concussion. And it's still early in this guy's career, but he cannot stay healthy. Every game, it's something else. That's what it seems like. He just does not strike me as very tough. Um, is that fair? Perhaps not, but to help the club, you got to stay out of the tub. And this guy is always in the tub, and it seems hardly ever out on the field. Fitzgerald, the legend, finished with nine catches for 91 yards, including that score. It was the 108th touchdown of his Hall of Fame career. And then uh, Savage would uh, turn the ball over a second time. This time came on a tipped pass intended for Steven Anderson. Tipped up in the air and intercepted by Patrick Peterson. The Cardinals took over at the Texans 15-yard line in real time from the stands. It looked like the ball hit right off the hands of Anderson and was intercepted through no fault of Savage. But after seeing the highlights of the game, it was clear that the ball was thrown behind Anderson, enabling Buchanan to make a play, tip the ball up in the air. Patrick Peterson was then able to make the easy pick. The interception, Savage's second turnover as I mentioned, second of the quarter and his sixth in two weeks. The Cardinals offense took advantage of the short field once again. This time it was Ricky Seals-Jones on the receiving end of an 11-yard Gabbert touchdown pass. The Cardinals took a 14-7 lead. The Cardinals now had 14 points off of turnovers. And while the defense, led by Jadavion Clowney, was wheeling and dealing, they were unable to defend the abbreviated field on short rest. The Texans were driving late in the first half when Tom Savage completed a second down pass to Bruce Ellington with 26 seconds left. They didn't get their third down playoff for another 12 seconds. Texans had a timeout, but O'Brien opted not to use it. Those things are like gold to him, and he's not just going to use them for any old reason. Instead, Savage was left to rifle a rushed pass over the head of Hopkins and through the back of the end zone. This one not catchable. The Texans were forced to kick a field goal with nine seconds left. The score, 14-10 at the half. The saddest part about O'Brien's clock management miscues is that a 13-year-old playing a video game would exhibit more awareness and more critical thinking prowess than the fourth-year NFL head coach. DeAndre Hopkins was the recipient of only four passes on Sunday, which struck me as odd. Uh, and surprising to hear because he appeared to be all over the field, but he was only able to haul in half of the balls thrown in his general vicinity. His two biggest catches on the day came on the first drive of the third quarter after what must have been one hell of a pep talk. 
given by Bill O'Brien or Sean Ryan. Uh, evidently, he's the speech guy this year. The first was a 34-yard catch and run inside the Cardinals' 30-yard line, and then a 28-yard TD catch capped things off. Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson gave Hopkins a little dap on the helmet following the play, acknowledging the impressiveness of the catch. It really was a lot of fun to see those two at the top of their game battling it out against one another. And I think we've learned this year, if not before this year, throw it up to Hop, in bounds, in between the sidelines, you have 52 yards, give him a chance, and the odds will be in your favor. Only Brock Osweiler was able to screw that up last season. Hopkins' touchdown grab gave the Texans the lead, 17-14. Facing a first and 25, and then a third and 13, Blaine Gabbert shredded the Texans' secondary uh, on a drive in the second half. He picked up 11 yards with his feet on a first and very long, sidestepping a would-be clowny sack. He then throws his third touchdown of the game and his second to Seals Jones on a 28-yard seam. Seals Jones knifed between and got behind two Texans defenders on the play, embarrassing an often humiliated secondary. Arizona retook the lead 21-17. And this was really the one unjustifiable drive put up by the Texans defense. They were not given the luxury of a Tom Savage turnover to help take some of the heat off this time. All right, that was all on them, but really the only time they looked pretty weak. On a third and eight in the fourth quarter, Savage had what I personally believe to be the best play of his career. It is easily his most athletic, which I never thought I'd say about Tom without the descriptor non, non-athletic. In another brutal outing, Bruno Giacomini, who continues to grade out as one of the worst offensive tackles in the NFL, he whiffs, and he gets beat to his outside on this third and eight. Savage nimbly moves to his right, avoiding not one, not three, but two! Two tackles. Slings that ball off balance and somehow completes the throw deep downfield to Steven Anderson, who made a hell of a play in his own right. Seeing it live, you would have thought it was Russell Wilson taking snaps in that number three Texans jersey. I know it sounds preposterous, but I guess he just had to be there. Deontay Foreman then plowed ahead from three yards out for his first career touchdown. And aside from Savage breaking free from his carbonite prison, this drive belonged to the rookie Foreman. I believe he touched the ball eight times before finishing things off with the score. It was 24-21 Texans. Trailing by three, with six minutes and 33 seconds left, facing a fourth and one at, at his own 35, Cardinals coach Bruce Arians inexplicably opted to go for it. That dubious decision was compounded with an even worse play call. A run by Adrian Peterson that was swallowed up for a loss. Peterson was had not been getting traction at all, going nowhere, and that play essentially ended any chance of victory. Uh, why Arians would roll the dice with plenty of time left, only down three, left many scratching their head uh, at the time? I didn't really have a huge problem with it. I thought you could have gone either way. Definitely the play call uh, could have been better. Future Hall of Fame running back Adrian Peterson was lost to the upside down against a still potent Texans front seven. He was stymied for a meager 26 yards on 14 carries, a 1.9 yard per carry average. And one play later, 
Foreman scored his second touchdown of the game on a 34-yard run that would ultimately clinch the game for the Texans. And as if the Texans had not been dealt a shitty enough hand already this season, the spiteful and insatiable football gods were not yet satisfied with our sacrifice. The exact moment Deontay Foreman had the first breakout game as a professional, his season was taken away from him. And with Foreman going down, um, after Watson, really the only thing you had to look forward to was the development of your young players, and Foreman was a huge part of that. And with him going down, there are fewer and fewer reasons to watch this Texans team by the day. But this 31-21 win over the Cardinals should sustain the flickering and fading flame of the 2017 season for at least one week longer. Texans defense uh, did not stop with their uh, last fourth down stop, that turnover on downs. Uh, Eddie Pleasant and Andre Howe with two interceptions late. That put the game on ice. Two huge plays from those guys. Don't think I didn't notice that. Uh, the Texans' next opponent will meet them under the lights of Monday Night Football in prime time. The 5-5 five five Baltimore Ravens are coming off a 23-0 shellacking of the floundering Packers at Lambeau Field. Is Joe Flacco elite? Mm. No, if he was, he isn't anymore. But that Ravens defense seems to be. They picked off Green Bay backup Brett Hundley three times on Sunday. Uh, injury prone and turnover prone Tom Savage will have to have an even better game than he had this week if the Texans want to pull within one game of 500 on the road. But all in all, it was great to see the Texans back in the win column. And it was great to have you guys back here at Bayou Ball Movements. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening in. Stay tuned for more. And uh, before you guys have a chance to thank me, relax. Um, you're welcome.